Noah, what is the key insight? Hexapodia is the key insight. Six feet. And what is that supposed to mean? That there is often some key nugget of fact that if you understand it correctly and place it in its proper context, will transform your view of the situation, allowing you to grok it completely. And in the context of Werner Vinge's amazing mind-bending science fiction space opera novel, A Fire Upon the Deep. The importance of Hexapodia is... That those sapient bushes riding around on six-wheeled scooters have been... Genetically programmed to be a fifth column of spies and agents for the great evil. Today, however, here we seek different key insights than Hexapodia. And Brad, what key insights are we seeking today? Today, we're seeking key insights about consumer confidence, Americans' confidence, the fact that we have, by all metrics that economists like us care about, really a very, very good and very nice economy. And yet we have a lot of people in the form of surveys and a lot of commentators of one side or another saying that people should not say that the economy is good because there are lots of people suffering and their suffering needs to be validated. And that especially Joe Biden's people, by talking about each piece of good economic statistics that comes out, well, that those pieces of good economic statistics are actually bad for Joe Biden because they impress on town people the idea that he is smug and not in touch with what's going on in real America. Well, that uh, I don't know about the last part because, you know, politics can have strange effects that I don't understand. Right. But I think that the rest of it is kind of hooey uh-huh. and uh, and um, sort of BS. And I think that fortunately, this sort of narrative of ignore the statistics, pay attention to people's lived experience mm-hmm. of pain and suffering. Right. That, that narrative uh, is is um, draining away. You're seeing it a lot less than you saw. How much less are you seeing it? I'm seeing considerably less. I'm 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 seeing quite a bit of uh, positive news about the economy and very little mm-hmm. of this anymore. I think Stan Greenberg is simply a little behind the times. He's um he's probably out of the loop a little bit and just writing the kind of stuff that people were saying a month ago or two months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, now and sort of um you know thinking it's fresh. I uh you know if you there there are news sentiment index indices right and also Twitter sentiment indices. And if you look at these uh, sentiment indices, they're outpacing. So, so consumer confidence has risen somewhat, but then, but the news sentiment has outpaced even consumer confidence. So the news is becoming extremely positive. Okay. Um, yet, on the other hand, here I would say we have the New York Times this morning. Um, why are Americans wary when the economy is healthy? Look at Nevada. By Peter S. Goodman, um, saying that the outlook of people like Ms. Irizarry could be crucial and determine who occupies the White House because Nevada is one of six peaky battleground states. Um, and there is a sense of the unknown, Ms. Ira. Irizarry said, people are scared. They think if a plague could happen and we never had them before, what else? Could this happen? Um, And, you know, this is what the New York Times thinks it's worth spending its column inches on. That is that it's just as important to say that Americans are wary um, as it is to report the economic news that seems to be pretty good. 
And why are people wary because of economic shocks over two decades accompanied by reliance on volatile casinos? Well, you would you would say that you would say that at least there is the despite an economy that's bustling at the end. Um, yeah, so I would say that <clears throat> I mean, there's these memes that go around these sort of narratives. Mm -hmm. And everybody sort of feels the need to jump on this narrative and write about it. Right. And this narrative that, you know, wow, the economic numbers are so good, but people are still down in the dumps about the economy is a narrative that was around for a number of months. And I think that some people are just now catching up with the need to write that narrative. Okay. And that if you look at when most news sources start to turn positive, and we could use a fixed little fixed effect uh, analysis, and we could uh, check uh, Stan Greenberg and Peter S. Goodman, and we could check what they say a couple months later, and right. uh, we could see if they are uh, you know substantially more positive in their tune about the economy. We've seen this with a number of pundits, for example, Nate Silver. Yes, um, we saw Nate Silver saying, you know, like. I'm sorry, but you really just need to pay attention to the the actual data that shows that people are suffering. And then, you know, um, a couple months later was like, of course, the economy is good. Okay. And so I think that you're going to see this evolution. Uh, we should write down these guys' names and check what they say in a couple months. Okay. Um, but So that the fact that in addition to Peter S. Goodman this morning saying, why are Americans wary while the economy is healthy in the New York Times? And to Stan Greenberg showing up in my newsletter feed this morning. Um, I also have in DealBook um, the latest data on jobs and wages are positive on the surface, but a large group of voters are still downbeat about the state of the economy, with no fewer than seven um, people listed, you know, as authors. Um, you know, right? Well, um. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is, though, that if you the the idea that a lot of uh, a lot of Americans are downbeat about the economy is yeah. inconsistent with, uh, or you know, people's people's personal lived experience. It's very right. inconsistent with survey evidence because if you look at all the surveys, people consistently say that their own economic circumstances are good, while the nation's economic circumstances are bad. So um, that people are happy with their own personal economic circumstances when you ask them about how things have been in the past year and a half. Right. Um, but people are kind of very much not, everything's fine because I'm okay, Jack. People are very much, other people aren't doing nearly as well and that makes me feel sad. And that I don't think that's what's going on in their minds. Yes. Um, I don't think that's it. Where does that idea that that's what's going on in their minds come from? Or is it just an echo chamber working with a lag? Yeah. Well, remember that we are not telepathic creatures. We are locked in our, the prisons of our own minds, and we understand other beings only by making analogies to ourselves. Mm -hmm. If it was you or me, uh, we, would, um, we would think about this in terms of having sympathy for people out there who are doing poorly. Right. But I think that most of the people who say the economy is doing badly are not filled with sympathy for the people who are doing poorly. And my one line proof of that assertion is that most of the people who think the economy is doing very badly are Republicans. 
And if there's one thing we know about Republicans, they do not tend to be filled with sympathy for America's poorest. And so the person I know whose Republican relative in law was saying, how can you say that the economy is good when staffing levels at high end restaurants are so low? Right. And so 10 minutes to get my bread because the high end restaurant hasn't been able to hire enough bread deliverers. Right. We would call that a tight labor market that's great for labor. They would call that, you know, where's my servant? Yes. Mm -hmm. So. I, I think that the insane, so so the day Joe Biden took over the economy from Donald right. Trump, very little changed in the real economy. However, right. you saw Republican perception of the economy drop by, you know, 30, 40 percentage points. Mm-hmm. Um, and just an insanely large drop uh, and has remained low ever since. If so you just look at the series drop? for Republicans. Is this a real drop or is this a, what people who say that they are Republicans when they answer surveys think they're supposed to say. I think that it's partly what they're supposed to say, but partly they're, it, it, it invokes a lot of cognitive dissonance to say the economy is doing well when the people in charge of the country are not the people that you want to be in charge right. of the country. If um, you say the economy is doing well, say- but I still hate these guys. That's intellectually consistent. It's intellectually easy, but Trump it's smart emotional. Trump is smart enough to say that the econ- that the stock market is reaching new highs because people are looking forward to me getting reelected. Right. Trump is um more clever than your average Republican there. Uh more clever. I think at this point he's just kind of checked out and just in his own bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he doesn't he's not at, connected enough to the Republican sort of zeitgeist uh hive mind. He he talks to the hive mind, but the hive mind doesn't talk to him. I so he just what says what he says, and he's... Exactly, exactly. That it used to be that what he would do is he would say things, and he would watch the audience reaction, and he would reinforce them, and go down all kinds of rabbit holes as a result. And right. so as a result, people would then fail to clean up afterwards. So that saying that the Trans-Pacific Partnership is Hillary Clinton's plot to sell us all to the Chinese, or pittance got good responses. And so lo and behold, when Trump becomes president, the first thing he does is ditches the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was our source of leverage against China in potential trade disputes. Yeah. Right. And this kind of unilateral disarmament in trade disputes followed by launching a trade war was... Certainly something that was absolutely amazing to everyone who was associated with the Chinese Communist Party. And I have had people say when I accuse them of engaging in groupthink, are you kidding? Look at what happened. Look at what happened to Republican attitudes about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and such when Trump came in. That you are much more inside a kind of bubble in which you are fervent, fervently eager to applaud not just what the leader says, but what you think the leader would want you to think, uh, much more than we are. Perhaps, perhaps. perhaps. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, I, I think that the the people, you know, it's a big economy, right? It is a very and big economy. We have 300 something million people in this country, 200 something million adults. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then if you, if you go looking for people who've had bad economic cir- circumstances, you will find them, mm-hmm. many of them. 
yes. because that that's true at the very best of times. That was true in the roaring 20s. It was true in the post-war 50s and 60s. It was true in the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is true now. It is true during the very best of times. You can always find people who have experienced personal wealth losses, devaluation of their human capital, a, a run of bad luck, um, living in a declining area, making poor yes. personal choices, or simply dissatisfied and angry for reasons that aren't reflective of their real financial circumstances. Now, you can how about always the people... find some yeah. people like that in a country of hundreds of millions of people. But how about the people who I hear are very important from the Financial Times and from the Bloomberg editorial boards? Um, people whose real incomes have actually risen, but they're extremely angry and feel cheated because some of that extra income they got is going to paying for higher gas prices. And until gasoline prices return to normal, they'll be pissed off and feel that the economy is not being fair to them and it's all Joe Biden's fault. And that Biden well, here's needs the thing. to recognize this. So gas prices went down. Gas prices um, went down. Yes, it's it, true. It, I haven't heard that much that recently. Right. And so um, I, uh, I'm i trying to find, let me, let me go into twitter and try to find this tweet that i tweeted i uh oh i had um how a, is twitter uh, these days terrible terrible is it more terrible than it used to be yeah okay does um, that negatively impact your quality of life or does that just give you more people to drag no i don't you know um i think everybody's in the country is realizing that dragging people is of limited use okay which is good but i think that Basically, it's made it harder for me to use it for what I need to use it uh. for, for my job, which is finding news, you know, like it's still useful for, I guess, chatter. That yeah. is just, you know, getting an idea of what people are talking about, but mm -hmm. it's becoming less and less useful for, uh, you know, actual, actual news. So, okay. Um, all right. So, so the cartoon was, it was two, um, two, uh, um, headlines from the Washington Post, one from uh, the summer of 2023, and the other from um, you know, just the other day. And then the, the um, uh, let's see, one was from August by Rachel Siegel. It said, if inflation is easing, why are gas and groceries still so expensive? Right. Yes. And then the other was by Abba Badarai and Jeff Stein. And it was from February 2, which was just the other day. Right. And it said, inflation has fallen. Why are groceries still so expensive? Yes. And no gas prices mentioned. I so see. <laughs> I put up the, the old meme of Stalin yes. with the edited photo with the guy next to him. And at the top with the guy, it says, Stalin is why are groceries still so expensive? And the other guy is why is gas still so expensive? And then he, he disappears from the second photo. I see. Yeah. And so basically, um, gas prices went down, but the Washington Post did not talk about this. It simply dropped it from its list of reasons to say that the Biden economy is much worse than people think. Mm -hmm. Okay. All it right. did not say, mea culpa, we were wrong, or hey, guys, here's why gas prices went down. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. A victory on gas prices. Nope, none of that. It's just they just kicked it off the bridge erased it from the photograph and continued to talk about groceries. And if grocery okay. prices actually went down, which is difficult because that rarely happens and for other reasons, um, if grocery prices did go down, it would be something else. And the people who wanted to write this narrative of economic weakness would write it. Um, 
news is always subject to negativity bias. People right. love negative news and they are, they, they'll click on negative news much more than positive news. And that's got to have something to do with this. So there's, do you think there's increased negativity bias and the grounds that the establishment press is following everyone else down the clickbait rabbit hole? Or do you probably, think this is yeah. just, it's always yes. been this case? No, I think that the the following down the clickbait rabbit hole is important because what we're, that really means is increased competition. So now right. the Washington Post, which just had to lay off a ton of people because its financials are bad, right. the Washington Post has to compete with, you know, Vox and Noah Smith's newsletter and God knows how many other things, right? In mm-hmm. addition to the partisan media like the Daily Caller or whatnot, right. it has to compete with all those things, which many of which produce content almost for free. Uh, yeah. And so the price of their content is very low. You know, Vox is free to read. I see. And, um, and so the Washington Post is competing with all those things. And so therefore it must, uh, it, it doesn't have the monopoly power cushion that gave it the luxury to print what it felt like. It forces it to print what it thinks will sell. And lo and behold, here we have tariffs are coming at the headline of Noah Smith's Noah Opinion. That's a downer story. Economic losses for allies. That's a downer story. We're zero for two. Three raisins. The Federal Reserve is likely to cut interest rates. That's That's positive. positive. One to two. Biden's run on a message message of abundance. abundance. Positive. Interview. That's kind of negative. Two, three. Please be reasonable. Two to four. I I would say Sarah Payne's interview is positive. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then we're there in three to two. America begging America to be reasonable, three to three. I would say that's a negative. Will China squander its moment in the sun, three to four? Well, unless you, depends on how much you like China. Uh, okay, so maybe four to three. Um, a vote for Trump is a vote for chaos. That's certainly true. Um, I don't know if that's four. negative the or California positive. California Forever Project is a great idea, five, four. The Does dark force hypothesis is absurd. You missed one, you missed one. Six, yeah, the dark forest hypothesis is absurd. I think that's kind of upbeat. Positive, yeah. Yes, we're not going to be hit by meteor, by asteroids launched by aliens we've never heard of. Six to right. four. Does the yield curve tell us a recession? That's also positive. Seven yes. to four. Is U.S. industrial policy learning from its space? Eight to four. Mm. So you're saying I actually... You are actually, you are actually bucking the trend positive. substantially. Bucking the trend, yes. You right. are two-thirds positive, one-third negative. I would uh, say that's typical of my, what I write, yeah. Yeah, what? That is typical. That's my typical ratio, I'd say. Okay. And How about yourself? So Wait, I want to... You're running on the, you're thus running on the abundance agenda. I very much am. Uh, let us look at J. Bradford DeLong. Somewhat alarmed at the Federal Reserve standing pat. Uh, yep. Zero to one, I would say. Okay. I raise my estimate of the neutral interest rate by a little bit. Um, That's I would a say that story. positive, well, one, to, a little one bit to one, technical. right? The true shape of America's debt and deficit burdens, I would say that's two to one because yes. it, um, greedy jobs, reproductive. I didn't read this one and I don't know what that's about. Oh, it's largely flagging on various right wingers who want women to have more babies, <laughs> but don't think maybe you should have raise the incomes and make the lives easier of the women you want to have babies um, if you're going to do so would you say this is positive or story or negative story it's hard to classify i would say it's kind of negative all right so two to two yes um, um proposals for turning the latest algorithmic that's positive. Com- 
<laughs> I didn't read this post, but this is hilarious. What? <laughs> you make the best post titles ever, okay. in my personal opinion. And that is probably not opinion shared by a lot of people because they're like, what the hell does this mean? And I'm no, like, for yes. So far as search engine optimization is concerned, it's an absolute catastrophe. Catastrophe, but but Noah Smith loves them because I love being flummoxed by something. I love having a title be a puzzle that I need to solve. Exactly. Mysteries exactly. that I have to, you know, unravel. Okay. Um, but okay, so anyway. All um, right, so what we think is that because we're writing primarily for ourselves uh-huh. and are not under the have enough slack, say, in our economic activity that we do not feel like we have to examine everything for metrics, we are not reinforcing the negative clickbait. Um, right. Okay, that other people are. That that's yes. not us. Keep in mind that we're opinions, not news, right? Well, there is no news. There is only opinion, as they did not say in Ghostbusters. We have the power to do something that news cannot do, which is to attack and antagonize. Yes. So when I say Trump sucks, that's a positive story to people who are like, yeah, Trump sucks. And that's a negative story to people who like right, Trump. Right, right. But right. for news... Right. You're just saying here is the fact. Here is what's happening. You can it's it's inherently positive or negative, uh, but for opinions, it can be simply partisan. It can be simply antagonistic yes. toward a certain group, which plays yes. very well with people who want to antagonize that group, but has yeah, some of the characteristics all, of negativity. No, no, that should be zero sum. That should be fifty fifty. Right. Um, I, I agree. And so what you say is that that kind of opinion is, say, Rana Furuhar in the Financial Times. Biden's right. supply-side economic policies working. Trump-induced right. holdup of an immigration bill could hurt Republicans. Right. Um, ah, thank you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like Rana Furuhar. Yeah. Well, who, at right, least I like that. Probably whoever wrote this, right? This is probably whoever wrote the... Um, Caption for this particular graffiti and roses on a New York sidewalks, kind of saying safety in New York City for immigrants in New York City and everywhere. Um, it's probably not Rana, it's probably some fellow traveler on the kind of caption writing. Right, peace. Yes. Um, right. Um, so, anyway, my obsession. Yeah, in fact, she is actually doing a big victory dance and Paul against the idea of stuff. a vibe session. And you know, Paul Krugman is also doing a big victory dance right. in the end. Because we can paint positive stories with an yeah. antagonistic sheen. It's like, yes. you idiots think that things are going badly, you idiots, morons. Mm-hmm. Why right. are you sub- subscribing to these false narratives? We can, we can, we can replace, you know, fear with anger. We, we can harness anger right in, in you know to 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 in the service of positivity and that's mm-hmm. our that's our trick that we can mm-hmm. do. but mm-hmm. the news people can't do this so i think that's part of it someone else noted that the journalism profession you know i, I don't know if i'd call myself in the journalism profession i would not but the journalism profession in general is in decline um you know journalism is a much worse job than it used to be mm-hmm. digital media is closing local newspapers are closing and these jobs are harder to get and I still basically, cut. you need to either work for the New York Times, which is still expanding, 
Um, but even I hear things that even Bloomberg and is contracting as its news operation, and that right. certainly the Washington Post is contracting sharply, and there is the people are thinking they either have to work for one of the very few successful journalism organizations that is not firing people wholesale. Um, or on the other hand, they have to start their substack, and they think the odds against having a substa substantial substack are very heavily weighted against them. You know that for individuals to go on their own is not something that's at all easy to do. Um, you know, right? Basically, you should have been Ben Thompson or oh, what's his name? Who runs Platformer? I have no idea. Casey Newton. Maybe it's Casey Newton a decade ago, um, rather than try it in now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is Vox.com still expanding? Is, I do not think so. Probably not, no. Okay. Um, no opinion still expanding. Okay. No opinion has not even been... You haven't hired a gopher yet or even a graphic designer, have you? I know, because I'm still experiencing organic growth. Okay. All right. okay. When organic growth ends, I'll consider whether to scale it up and make it a real business. But currently, right. organic growth continues, if at a slightly slower rate than before. So there's organic growth, and also there's a potential infinite supply of rabbit content. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm still getting about 200 new people signing up to my email list every day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And then, and then uh, some number of paid subscribers as well. All right. All right. Yeah. So this gets into the big conundrum that the news media worked only as long as there were a very small number of broadcast slots and a very small number of ways to distribute classified ads to cities. And somehow we managed to attach a not to bias news gathering and informing business to those businesses um, as an ancillary service to that. Um, and so the suspicion was the news media ecosystem ran and journalism was a profession. And now we're dealing with the post coming of the internet dissolving of that, which is taking an awful long time, which is still proceeding. Right. You know, right. and the idea that everyone can go work for Bloomberg, which wants to have its own news business to keep people from ever looking away from the Bloomberg terminals for which financial professionals pay absolute fortunes. Everyone cannot work for Bloomberg. Right. Absolutely. Although some of us have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that media is just a brutal business to be in, like, right. espe like especially print media. And that yeah, you know. may color writers yeah, perceptions the, of what's going on yeah. because it's who's actually doing badly them i mean the problem is you want to convey people the news but once you've conveyed the news to them they can then tell it to anyone else yes and if you so if you actually want to get rewarded for your research um well you then have to charge a high price but if you charge a high price then no one reads you and so you don't get rewarded at all you know, right that it's the Gathering and reporting the news is not something you would expect a market economy to do well. And yet, here we have embedded it into a market economy. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, pretty much. I think that's, that's you know, 
so of do course, you to think get, he really to get real think... news out, we need like a BBC. Yeah. Um, so do you really think that this is why people writing for print and online journalism things are kind of Debbie Downers these days, more than I remember them being so 10 or 20 years ago? Um... I don't know. It's something that was suggested to me. It's, uh, do I think that that's true? I think that that, that may be influencing things to some degree, but I couldn't tell you how much. Or am I just getting older and my back now hurts now? I mean, so as a result, I think that the news is less upbeat, even though it actually has been pretty downbeat for quite a while. There's that too. There's also, there, there's two tribes of political people mm-hmm. um, who want to see Joe Biden fail. One right. is every Republican in the country, mm-hmm. because Republicans don't like Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, the third, the second is leftists. And leftists are a small number of people if you ask people what they don't like about Biden, and among even if you restrict the sample only to Democrats, approximately five percent will say his stance on Israel-Palestine. Makes but sense. among leftists, it is the, now the only issue. Leftism has become Palestine activism. The two are not separate things anymore. They are one and the same. Uh, leftists are really upset about Palestine and think that Joe Biden has committed or at least abetted a genocide in Palestine. Oh. Um, and so therefore they want to see Joe Biden fail. Well, they are demographically and electorally insignificant. However, they have, they probably have a presence in the media industry in, in you know, the shouting of class, elite liberal, like in, it, there's, there's some of them in the New York times slack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some junior people in the New York times slack who are insanely upset about, uh, um, about now, Palestine. I thought the word genocide was coined in 1944 because, you know, war crime, atrocity, and large-scale murder were thought to be no longer large enough to encompass what was actually going on with the Nazis. Yes. And But, yes. Yet, you know, I loathe Benjamin Netanyahu and his military operation in Gaza, and I think is incredibly destructive. Because you know, Hamas is ideas, money, and militants. And you know, killing off a lot of people's civilian relatives in Gaza is definitely a way to create a lot more militants in the next generation without harming Hamas's ideas or money. Yes. But I would... I would kind of like to preserve genocide for genuinely Nazi scale actions because we need a word for them because they occasionally happen. Well, um, that ship has sailed. Uh, that ship sailed long ago, you say? Israel's actions in Gaza are not a genocide, you know, as I see it. And but they are called one in the New York Times slack and no one seems yes, to want right. to take. But they are decision. far they are certainly closer to genocide than many of the things that have been called genocide in popular press in recent years. Right. For example, okay. in Canada, uh, many activists said that genocide of native peoples, indigenous peoples, was occurring because of high murder rates. And suicide well, rates. there were genocides of indigenous peoples in the Americas. Correct. Um, committed via committed via plague, habitat displacement, trails of tears, war, and just kind of shooting down women and children in large numbers. That is beside the point. If you saw high crime, high murder rates in a right. Jewish community, you would not say that this is a genocide because the Holocaust happened. 
Right. Okay. Touche. You know, even if maybe there were some Holocaust survivors with some intergenerational trauma and blah, 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 but you would not count high crime rates as part of the Holocaust mm-hmm. in the Jewish community. So, no. counting, however, they, you know, the activists pressured, an, you know, some official Canadian organizations to declare that Canada had been complicit in genocide because of the high crime rates uh-huh. in uh, First Nations communities in Canada. And uh, meanwhile, so the Royal Canadian Mounted Police need to have a larger presence. Need to what? Need to have a larger presence then? Uh, possibly. But okay. the point is about the dilution of the use of the meaning of the right. word genocide. We've also seen the word genocide applied to... Uh, so so right-wingers in America have used the term white genocide to describe immigration. Right. Uh, which is just fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's the next stupid. thing you're going to tell me that Elon Musk is using it to apply to immigration. Uh, I don't know if he has yet, but that's because I don't read his tweets. Okay. Um, more importantly, I will say that people whose side I am on politically and whose cause I sympathize with have overused the term genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's two examples. One is that, well, especially one example, which is the war in Ukraine. Right. Um, I'm certain that Putin would love to erase Ukrainian national identity. Right. And engage in various purges and mass killings throughout Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But he has not been able to or made substantial moves toward doing that yet. And pro-Ukraine people made mm-hmm. the allegation of uh, of genocide, um, you know, related to just like the bombing of Mariupol and things like that. It's like, this is genocide. But it was not. It right. was simply, you know, a, a brutal siege in a war. Mm-hmm. That's not what genocide is. And, mm-hmm. um, and yet I... I'm extremely strongly in favor of supporting Ukraine and think Russia's horrible and, you know, Putin should should have a heart attack and die. Mm-hmm. But but that was not genocide. And so so gen- okay. the word genocide has been diluted and overused. Right. So what we're getting back to is we're getting back to there. There was a time when the inflation was making lots of people upset and unhappy. But- in a way, much more than we economists would say it should have, given its net effects on real income and real income variability. And there is a lot of professional negativity about an economy in the time that Biden, that a Democrat is president. Um, and there is also a potential clickbait negativity attached to our infosphere, reinforced by the fact that, you know, Lots of journalists are or fear that they are about to lose their jobs. Um, and that all of these things reinforcing themselves with a lag and also a couple of systematic structural biases. Um, and of them, the truly the... weird thing, and of them, the truly weird things were A, the enormous shift in switch in consumer confidence and answers to how's the economy going. As soon as a Democrat gets elected president takes office on the one hand, and the disjunction in consumer sentiment indices between how people think their own how people think their own conditions their own conditions are and what they think the economy as a whole um, is doing right. I think we're dealing with uh, basically two things here okay uh, the the things that are really causing um, a lag between perceptions and reality here. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, 
I, I think we can talk about incentives in the journalism industry and biases and negativity and all this stuff all we want. But really, there's two things. Number one, when inflation stops, it takes a while for people's perceptions to become more of the economy to become more positive right. because inflation is a rate of change. And when you go to the grocery store and every time things are more expensive, you notice each time. Okay. You're like, oh, things are more expensive. Oh, things are more expensive. But when things stop getting more expensive, it becomes the dog that didn't bark. Right. And you go to the grocery store and things are the same price, things are the same price. And then it takes you a while to think, oh, you know what? Come to think of it, it's been a while since things yeah. are getting more expensive. They used to get more expensive every week and now they're not. Huh. Yeah. I guess things improved. And so I think it takes a while for that to catch up. Mm -hmm. Uh People are, you know, also probably, you know, sort of traumatized and think that inflation will come back any day and it's just a lull in the action. Um, mm -hmm. So research shows that it takes maybe two years for for uh, anxiety about inflation to fade after it comes down. Okay. Um, that according to that research, maybe about 75% of the negative impact of inflation on consumer sentiment will be gone by election day. Okay. Uh, and Goldman Sachs recently came out with an estimate. Uh, I don't know where their estimates come from. It's kind of mystery meat because it's Goldman Sachs, but they say the same thing. They say inflation, uh, the negativity stemming from inflation should be largely gone, but a little, a bit will remain. So is this uh, from Jan Hatzius and the economic forecasters, or is this from someone else? I don't, I don't remember exactly. All who, right. Who I will go that. look it up. I will find it before we do. But. Uh, sorry, and even you know, though, and right so that now. even though there'll be a lingering, um, there was this inflation under Joe Biden. Incomes are higher, and employment is easier to get. And so, unless you want your yes, bread brought exactly more quickly right. to you um, while you're eating at a high-end restaurant, the economy is going to look pretty good. Right. Okay. And um, all right. And I think the other problem is the partisan anger of Republicans. Republicans mm -hmm. are very, very mad about, and I don't think it's Joe Biden specifically, I think any Democratic president would have drawn their same anger. I don't think there's a single Democrat that exists who would draw less anger than Joe Biden. Indeed, you know, that back in the old days, Joe Biden was always put up as the reasonable Democrat who we would not be angry at. Right. Yes. It's, and I think he still is. Um, yes. I do not think, I think that basically Republicans would be angry with any Democrat in the White House. Mm -hmm. um, and so because they're angry at the way society, they feel the society is trending. Mm -hmm. Okay. They have not yet noticed that a, you know, sustained backlash to wokeness and whatnot has begun and is now proceeding. They mm -hmm. have, they are very much downstream of the, you know, far downstream of those developments in, uh, okay. you know, in the elite media and cultural universities, whatnot. Um, they will not notice for years that this has happened. It will be the late 2020s at the earliest before they notice that the country has become more conservative than it was in 2021. Right. And uh, and so they're just very mad. They think, um, well, you know all the things I think. So uh, I think that this is really, that is really um, mm -hmm. causing them to be negative about the economy. So their perceptions are probably not going to recover as much just because it's Biden's in office. And so, but they're not going to vote for Biden anyway. And I think that sentiment among the people who may vote for Biden, you know, Democrats and independents will have mostly recovered by election day. And, and um, mm -hmm. interestingly, if you look at the parallels between now and, and when Reagan ran the morning in America ad, right. 
you see that inflation largely came down. Mm -hmm. Inflation came down in like 1981. 82. 81, 82. Yes. 81, 82. Yeah. Yep. And and then it was 83 when consumer confidence really had this massive, massive spike. Mm -hmm. And it did so even though the unemployment rate was still above 8%. Right. And even right. though an awful lot, and even though no one was daring to quit, um, sure. But you know, anchoring's real, so a relative improvement really makes people feel better. Yeah, a relative improvement that even though I don't dare quit, I'm not as terrified of being fired as I was last year, and so it really is morning in America, even though I should still be terrified of getting fired. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. I think, yeah. So I think we are um, a little earlier in the cycle. Mm-hmm. So I think that we are maybe six months earlier in the cycle than they were. I think so this that, suggests um, that uh, this suggests that October is the time to run for Democrats to run Morning in America commercials, um, it and also be. for America for Democrats to run if Donald Trump is real is elected. There's going to be it's going to be sundowning in America, right? Commercials. Right. Yeah. And the problem, I think that one problem with that is that many young Democratic staffers who make many of the decisions for our increasingly geriatric politicians, right, including which ads to run, many of them are leftists, or at least leftist sympathetic, and therefore have negativity bias over things like Palestine, mm -hmm. um, or the, all the other sort of anti-Biden things that leftists have come up with since mm -hmm. Bernie lost. And... Um, and so I think that there will be tremendous pressure from the younger people to run a negative campaign, a campaign that of climate doom, you know, climate change is going to kill us all. And only, you know, like, and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and I think that that will be a bad instinct that, that in this case, the older people who sort of remember Reagan to some degree, mm -hmm. the older people have to step in and say, no, we're going to run. We're going to run positivity because if you think about it, positivity befits an incumbent's campaign. Right. An yes. incumbent, if your incumbent says things are terrible and only I can save us, the answer is, well, why didn't you fucking save us over the last four years? Mm -hmm. And then people get, you know, and then uh, so you have to run a campaign that says things are going well. Stay the course. Right. Right. And so so this, you know, a message of climate doom will be bad. A message of, you know, like scare people about Trump. But yes, but give people tell people the economy is going well now and and things are going well now it is morning in america trump will will you know endanger that tell them that and rely on people looking around themselves at what's going on and not buying into the kind of clickbait media clickbait media something horrible is happening um that comes in via people's screens uh right yeah um that at least things are going well no we are right. right do we have a possible we actually don't you know have any sense of how important these things are um but to the extent that the <clears throat> that this great vibe session kerfuffle over the past year to what extent is it just the growth of structural Debbie Downerism? And to what extent is it simply things happening with a lag? 
I mean, my no. guess my guess is that it's twenty percent marginal structural Debbie Downerism, and kind of eighty percent lags got a lag, and I think you know, right. reacting too quickly to things right. that are lagged, you know, not understanding that lags are that the thing about lags is that they do eventually turn, but they turn after the fundamentals turned. That's why it's a lag. Um, Failure to recognize that was, in fact, a large cause of various amounts of angst in which I have participated over the past six months. Yeah? Yeah. What are those things that you've participated in? No, no, just, no, just that it is that lag's got a lag. You know, that, you know, someday Muhammad El-Aryan is going to wake up and he is going to realize the last mile in terms of producing inflation to 2% happened last summer. It did. Um, but it's and it was only because of lags in the rent index that we didn't realize that till now. Well, no, we did realize it then, but Muhammad didn't then. Yeah, fair enough. And even right, if inflation, so... even if inflation does actually pick up, lags in the rent index means it won't show through in any headline numbers for quite a while to come. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the Fed is on it. They're they're looking at updated numbers, but. Yeah, I must say that our position that the Fed has got this seems to be more and more 100% correct most of the time. I agree. Um, I, I think the Fed is is likely to, if inflation doesn't bounce back, I think the Fed is likely to start cutting. Mm-hmm. Yep. The reason being that productivity growth seems to have accelerated, meaning you can accommodate a, a mm-hmm. you know lower yeah. um, interest rate without inflation. So it really is morning in America. Um it's but morning it's in America. Soon. It's much too soon for the productivity growth to be any kind of response to deployed AI. Oh, yeah, it's not AI. So it's simply a high-pressure economy. High-pressure economy, remote work. That's okay. Right. So Letting that's people live in cheaper places and save on their commute. Yeah. That's what we should talk about next time. High-pressure economy, remote work, and how to actually get productivity growth going again. Time-tested, empirically proven methods. I love it. Okay. All right. All right. So, so that's a good place key, to wrap it up. Yep. Key insight, Noah? Um, my key insight is that the meta narrative is always more difficult than the narrative. That the mm-hmm. sitting there asking, well, why why don't people understand that the economy's good is a little bit is actually intellectually harder than just saying, hey guys, the economy's good. And maybe yeah. we should just focus on saying, hey guys, the economy's good until someone picks it up instead of trying to theorize right. about why they haven't picked it up yet. Yeah. Maybe maybe we are the narrative. We are the agents in the model instead of we we are not the modelers, we are the agents in the okay. model. So we are the agents and we should say what is true. And if the economy is good, we should say, hey, guys, the economy is good, rather than worrying about why the mirror doesn't seem to be reflecting that. Um, and yes. also, you got to realize that lags got a lag. And that lag's betting on fundamentals with a lag is a very good place to be. These things take time. You 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 push right. and you push and you push, and then one day you realize you won. Yes. And one day perceptions catch up to reality. Um Yep. And hopefully you were long reality and hopefully you weren't sufficiently leveraged to have your positions sold out from under you yes. until reality finally arrived. Yes. And? And as always, Hexapodia. Is the key insight. Definitely. This has been Noah Smith's and Brad DeLong's Hexapodia podcast on confidence, consumer confidence, and our confidence in our beliefs as well. Thank you very much for listening. And goodbye. And goodbye.